We've been studying Philippians 3, 10, and 11, where Paul talks about what it means to really know Christ. And he says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then he adds this, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Why does he say, somehow? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We want to be walking billboards that point to the death of Christ in the way that we live. That's what it looks like to know Christ. To get that power, use that power to partner up with Him in His suffering and ministry, and then to follow the pattern of his death. And where does all that lead us? Leads us to verse 11. Destination. He says, and, after all that, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. It all leads to that day when you're going to be lifted up out of the ground and receive a new, glorified, imperishable, incorruptible body that will exist forever. Um, You will live with God uh, forever with that body. This is what Jesus referred to as the resurrection of the righteous. In Luke 14, 14. You know there's two resurrections, right? There's, there's the resur- resurrection of the righteous, and then later the resurrection of the wicked. Um, that's several passages talk about that. Daniel 12, 2. Uh, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So there's, there's two resurrections. What Paul's saying here is that as a result of knowing Christ in these three ways, that will bring him to the destination of being part of the resurrection of the righteous. The good one. The first one. He says, I want to be included in that one. And that's the result here. And, he, and he's talking here about literal resurrection. In the previous verse, in verse 10, he was talking about spiritual uh, connection with Christ's resurrection, right? Um, he was, we're connected to him spiritually, and therefore we have power to live the Christian life. Now he's talking about physical, literal resurrection. It's the same word, and so he, he, he makes this clear with picturesque wording here. In, in verse 10, literally in the Greek, it's, it's this. And so, somehow, to attain to the out-resurrection, out from among the dead. <laughs> so, it's just like, don't make any mistake here, I'm talking about physical, actual resurrection. Okay? Uh, the resurrection out from among the people who are still dead. Right? So the first resurrection, they're still dead, we're lifted out, that resurrection. That's where knowing, the knowing Christ road will take you, that's the destination. So not only does Christ's resurrection give us spiritual power now, but it guarantees our future physical resurrection. Our resurrection is guaranteed because of His. Uh, We understand that, 1 Thessalonians 4.14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with Him. Verse 16, the Lord Himself will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.22, 15.22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Verse 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. Imperishable. 
Right? Your new body will be imperishable and incorruptible. There will be no more decay, decay no decline, nothing go bad. Your joints aren't going to get worse. You're not going to get cavities in your teeth. Your cholesterol is going to be right on. You're going to feel great. You're going to look great. You understand that, that our eternal state is not in heaven, right? It's on the new earth. We're not going to be floating around in some cloud playing a harp all, all, all through eternity. We're going to have real physical bodies. We're going to live in a real physical earth like this one, a new earth. Uh, and and what's, what's going to happen is Christ is going to eliminate the curse. So it's going to be like the Garden of Eden. It's not going to be like Genesis 3 after the curse with the thorns and everything. So there'll be, there'll be no curse, no entropy, no third, second law of thermodynamics. He's going to, he's going to make this uh, earth, and it's going to have all this great stuff about this earth. Um, you know, all the canyons and rivers and mountains and uh, clouds and oceans and everything. But no thorns, no cactus, no weeds, no mosquitoes. And we're going to live with God and enjoy Him forever, not just emotionally and spiritually, but physically, with a body glorified body. And that's where Paul wants to end up. That's the destination. So he says, I want to know Christ and the power and the partnership of his suffering, uh, conforming to the pattern of his death, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. But what's with that somehow? What's that about? Somehow. He just made it crystal clear how. Right? This chapter, how could it be more clear? You attain the resurrection of the righteous by knowing Christ through faith, right? That's how. That's not a mystery. So what is it with this somehow? The English word somehow is a little bit misleading because the, because the English word kind of gives you the idea of methods, like through this method or that method or this other method. That's not what the Greek word means. If you want to feel for what this phrase means, the, the phrase in the Greek is literally, if Somehow. And if you want a, a, a sense of what that phrase means, uh, you can look in Acts 27.12. I'll show it to you here. Acts 27.12, where they're sailing and they decide to keep going. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on. If somehow, there's our phrase, to reach Phoenix and winter there, uh, this was a harbor in Crete. So, they decided to go on to this harbor in Crete. Uh, and uh, if somehow to make it there. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they don't know what method they're going to fly, they're going to take a plane, they're going to walk? No, they know the method is they're going to take a boat. Right? It's, not, it's not about method. Is, does it mean that they, they think they probably won't make it? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they're saying, well, we'll probably end up at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, but let's just give it a shot. No, I, I think they're fully expecting to make it. What this phrase does, though, is it introduces a, a, a degree of difficulty. We expect to make it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. So this phrase, if somehow, was used to describe something that was an expectation, but it involved great difficulty. So what Paul's doing here in verse 11 is he's not saying... I hope by some fluky chance that I somehow make it to heaven by hook or by crook. That's not what he's saying. He, he, he knows he's on the road to heaven. He knows that. There's no question. Paul absolutely knew. If you said, do you, if you die right now, do you know where you go? He'd say, 100%, I know. You know that from chapter 1. Again, look at chapter 1. He says, uh, uh, remember he said, I, I, it, for me to die is Christ, and, and I des des desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I mean, there's no doubt in his mind. He didn't say for me to live as Christ and to die as, well, 50-50. No. He knew he was going to heaven. He knew he was on the road. 
Um, he can make it, but what he's saying here is, in order to make it, it's not going to be a cakewalk. He's got to walk down this road. He's got to participate in the sufferings of Christ. That's the road that's going to take him to the destination. When Paul says he wants to attain to the resurrection, or the Holman says reach, I like the Holman translation there because it literally just means to arrive at a destination. That's what the word means. Paul wants us to think of the final resurrection as something, not something that we have in our back pocket. You know, oh, I'm, I know for sure I'm saved. I was, uh, I was born again. I know, I know without a shadow of doubt that I'm saved. Therefore, I've got heaven in my back pocket. I've got the resurrection in my back pocket. He doesn't want us to think that way. He wants us to think in terms, we're traveling on a road towards something. We're striving towards it. We need to get to the end of that road. So that's why Paul can sometimes be so sure that he's, that he's on that road. I mean, he's so sure that he's saved. And yet other times in passages like this introduce an element of contingency. It's contingent. It depends. He says, if I die right now, I'll go to, go to be with Christ. I know that for sure. But when it comes to um, you know, the future, uh, as far as the, living through my life, it's contingent. Me arriving at the resurrection, if I keep on living this life, it's contingent on me walking down this road. I've got to travel this road to get there. So, Paul's not contradicting himself at all. Uh, if, you, if you think of, just like think of a college student. He's halfway through his four-year program. And he, you say, when are you going to graduate? Oh, two years and I'll graduate. Well, is he being presumptuous? Nah, that's all right. You can say that. You don't, I mean, we don't expect a bunch of caveats every single time. Well, two years, if I persevere, and if uh, the college doesn't shut down, and if we don't have a nuclear war, and if we, you know, I mean, we don't expect all that. It's, it's all right. You just, just say, yeah, two years. Um, however, uh, what he's implying there is, to, uh, I'll get there if I, if I stay on this road, which I fully intend to do. But suppose he's talking to, you're talking to like a, a new freshman who's not really taking it seriously and, and thinks he doesn't have to do anything. And, and so you might, in that case, you might throw in some of that contingent language. Like you'll get your degree if you actually come to class and do the work and work hard and you don't give up halfway through and all that. Because you don't want to convey the idea to this guy that he's, you know, he, just because he's enrolled, he's automatically going to, it's a done deal, you know, without any effort. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's headed for the resurrection of the righteous. He's on that road. He knows that for sure, no question about it. But he wants to make it clear that we must travel that road in order to get to the destination at the end of that road. And the road is the road of Christ's suffering. The promise of resurrection is there, but it's conditional. It's not an unconditional promise. Not even in the most powerful passages in the scriptures about, that make the promise, like Romans 8. I mean, there is nowhere in the Bible is there stronger language about our security in Christ than Romans 8, right? Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, verse 16, The Spirit Himself testifies that we are the children of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Verse 23, We wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 37, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that's pretty solid, right? That's pretty solid. Our future resurrection is promised in the, mo the strongest possible terms. And yet, even with the soaring certainties of Romans 8, it's still conditioned 
on our suffering with him. Verse 17, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if, if indeed we suffer, we share in his sufferings. To get to the destination, we have to travel down the road of Christ's suffering. If you go through life trying to dodge sufferings of Christ, you might be successful, but you might end up at the end of your road finding out it's not the road that leads to the resurrection of the righteous. This is the folly of people who leave a church because things got difficult, or leave a marriage because things got difficult, or quit a ministry because it's difficult. Those people are failing to realize that knowing Christ means, means partnering in, with Him in His sufferings on your way to the resurrection. That's what the Christian life is. You can leave this church, uh, the suffering in this church, and go suffer somewhere else if you want. That's up to you. But, but you can't escape the suffering. If you want to arrive at the destination of the resurrection of the righteous, the only road that goes there is Heartbreak Highway. And I hope that's not discouraging to you. Because it really should be encouraging and strengthening. Um, that's how Paul and Barnabas strengthened the believers in Acts 14.22. Uh, it says they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. You've got to travel this road. You, know, you can make it, but you've got to pass through suffering. He's like... Is that really encouraging? That's not all that encouraging. No, it is. It's encouraging and strengthening because, because, beloved, what it does is it gives meaning to all your suffering. Right? Your suffering is not just some guy being a jerk to you or some people being mean to you. It's not bad luck. It's not misfortune. It's not just the ball not bouncing your way. You win some, you lose some. No, your suffering with Christ is a glorious partnership with the King of Kings in the greatest work that He's ever done, the redemption of mankind. You are His partner in that work and you have unlimited life-giving power that comes to you in the sweetest possible way knowing Christ. And that power enables you to live like Jesus died and takes you to the destination, which is the final resurrection of the righteous on the day of Christ. Are you concerned at all that you might not be able to stay on the path that leads to heaven from now all the way until you die? Well, don't worry about that. Just ask, what would it look like for me to stay on that path today? without veering to the right or to the left. Lord God, we want to stay on this road. We want to be faithful. We want to look at our suffering this way. We want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the partnering with his sufferings, and following the pattern that he laid down in his life so that we'll arrive on that great day. Teach us, Father, to look at our suffering this way. Let us go deeper. Let us go deeper in knowing Christ. And thank you that you've given us the greatest promise, and it's attained, this power attained in the sweetest way. Just simply through knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? 
This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.